today on Hardwired. And with him were 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. So here they've got a mark too, but it's not the mark of the beast, it's the mark of the Savior. Amen? As far as I can tell in the book of Revelation, you're marked in one of two ways. You're the Lord's and you're marked by it, or you're the devil's and you're marked by it. You are listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire, the founder and senior pastor of Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Maybe you've noticed that our culture is pretty messed up these days, which makes people feel anxious and filled with questions. They want peace, but have a hard time finding it or making it last. Well, Pastor Jeff is going to share in the message today about how you can finally be filled with hope, security, and most importantly, that peace you're looking for. We know that you're going to enjoy the message, but you can also listen to it again or any of the messages anytime you would like at our website, hardwired.org. Let's get right to the message. Here's Pastor Jeff to tell us what's coming up today on Hardwired. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us and making us a part of your very busy day. We're going through the book of Revelation, and I've so loved teaching it. And I know you've loved listening to it because we've gotten so much good feedback. Today, we're going to be looking at something that is just so powerful in this book. I'm calling this Six Angels and Seven Vials of Wrath. You know, the Great Tribulation period is really a future prediction of 21 major judgments that are going to be poured out by God on a Christ-rejecting world in that time period called the Great Tribulation. And today we're going to see how much the angels of God play in this scenario that will unfold very soon in the future. Six angels, and they will pour out seven vials of wrath. Well, what does that mean? Well, I'm glad you asked. Grab your Bible, grab something to write with, take notes. You'll return to those notes in the days and weeks and years to come. And let's see what the Bible has to say and what Jesus showed John about six angels and the seven vials of wrath. Let's go. Book of Revelation is about what precedes and leads up to the return of Christ. That's the book of Revelation. And so I'll tell you what, it is definitely the darkest before the dawn. And I look around us right now and I think, could it get much darker? And then it gets a little bit darker. But let me tell you something. I told my staff this Tuesday and I'll tell you. Uh, the most important thing we can all do is every day get with God. Every day, go into prayer, open up that Bible, read the Word of God. Because I'm going to tell you, Christians who are not in a daily devotional ain't going to make it. Can I say that? They're not going to make it. I don't think you're going to survive spiritually. You'll croak on the inside. You know, you'll choke. You'll faint on the inside. We need that daily manna. And God is very faithful to speak to us through his word. So let me just encourage you. Go to the word of God every day and say, God, open thou mine eyes that I might behold wonderful things out of your law, out of your word. And he'll speak to you and he'll keep your inner man strong. Because those with strong inner men, all right, the innermost, innermost part of you, your spirit man, they're not only going to survive, they're going to thrive. I believe that, all right? But 
We know when to eat when we feel hungry. We know when to fill up the gas tank when it's getting down towards E, but we don't know how to take care of our souls. We've got to practice soul care. Amen? Now that's free. That has nothing to do with Revelation. Let's look at it. Last time we looked in chapter 13 at the rise of Antichrist and his sidekick, the false prophet, who I said might be a pope. I'm not saying it is, but I think that's a good candidate. And the mark of the beast. So you have the Antichrist, the false prophet, who is the second beast, and the mark of the beast. And how the mark of the beast is imposed upon the entire world before the return of Christ. Now chapter 14 begins with John again taken up into heaven. Man, he's going back and forth from earth to heaven to earth to heaven. It's enough to make you dizzy just reading it, right? Where once again, he sees the 144,000 that we first met in chapter 7. The 144,000, 12,000 from every tribe, Jewish Billy Grahams, who are going to be covering the earth with the gospel before Christ comes back. And notice it says they have the name of the Father on their foreheads. Let's read it. Revelations 14, verse 1. Then I saw the Lamb standing on Mount Zion, and with him were 144,000 who had his name and his Father's name written on their foreheads. So here they've got a mark too, but it's not the mark of the beast, it's the mark of the Savior. Amen? As far as I can tell in the book of Revelation, you're marked in one of two ways. You're the Lord's and you're marked by it, or you're the devil's and you're marked by it. All right? This is the seal mentioned in Revelation 7 verse 3. Now, they are seen in heaven, for they likely die a martyr's death when Satan, the dragon, makes war with the remnant, all right? Then John witnesses an explosion of worship. Let me tell you something. You better like worship now. You're going to be doing a whole lot of it in heaven. Amen. A lot of what goes on in heaven is just worship. And you say, well, that's going to be boring. Oh, no, 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 no. Get ready for the trip of your life because you're going to be worshiping God, I mean, in ways in such bliss and such glory and such joy. All right? Verse 2, And I heard a sound from heaven like the roar of mighty ocean waves or the rolling of loud thunder. And it was like the sound of many harpists playing together. That's the sound of the worshipers. It sounds like thunder. It sounds like ocean waves. And these majestic sounds, it's a heavenly choir. It's a heavenly choir. And it's a song of those who have been redeemed from the great tribulation. They are the fruit of the preaching of the 144,000, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And John seems to be writing ecstatically. Look what he says. This great choir, I'm quoting him now. This great choir sang a wonderful new song in front of the throne of God and before the four living beings and the 24 elders. No one could learn this song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It's going to be a new song. Their personal walk of purity is particularly striking to the aged apostle. John notes how pure they are. Verse 4, they have kept themselves as pure as virgins, following the Lamb wherever he goes. That just hit me. I want you to say with me, I want to follow the Lamb wherever He goes. 
Do you feel that way? I mean, wherever he goes, that's where I want to go. Whatever he does, that's what I want to do. Wherever he is, that's where I want to be found. Right there. Come on, everybody. So that's the 144,000. Wherever the lamb goes, they go. They've been purchased from among the people on the earth as a special offering to God and to the lamb. They've told no lies. And they are without blame. Now, this doesn't mean because it says they were pure like virgins, they had never married. But what it's saying is they are pure and holy in their thoughts. They're pure and holy through the shed blood of Christ and in their spiritual character. They're undefiled by immorality. That's what it's telling us. Now, John next observes six angels. I love all the angels in the book of Revelation. There's angels everywhere. I love it, right? So he sees six angels next. And all of them have unique messages of warning and judgment. So these six angels are to be noted. If you've got a pen and you've got your Bible with you or a way to mark what's in your iPhone or on your iPad, do it because these six angels are crucial. Every one of them has a unique message of warning and judgment to the world that is under such judgment right now. Let's begin by looking at the first three angels and their message. Here's the first angel. This angel's message is a gospel message. The eternal good news, verse six. I saw another angel flying through the sky. When is this happening? It's happening in the second half of the tribulation when all hell is breaking loose. When demons are all over the world. When people are getting the mark of the beast. Look what God, the God of mercy does. He sends an angel through the whole world to preach. Look what it says. I saw another angel flying through the sky, carrying the eternal good news to proclaim to the people who belong to this world, to every nation, every tribe, every language, and every people. And what is his message? Fear God, he shouted. Give glory to him, for the time has come when he will sit as judge. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all the springs of water. So he's carrying good news and a warning. It's not too late to get saved, and it's not too late to look up and worship the true God. Amen. And that's happening. Notice it says he goes through the whole earth. There's not a tribe or a nation or a people that he does not reach. That's the mercy of God. Right in the middle of the most horrific time earth has ever seen, the mercy of God yet reaches out to the lost. That's the first angel. He's preaching. Second angel. This angel carries a message for Babylon. Chapter 14, verse 8. Then another angel followed him through the sky, shouting right behind the preaching angel. Here comes another one. Babylon is fallen. That great city is fallen because she made all the nations of the world drink the wine of her passionate immorality. So you got 144,000 who are not involved in any kind of immorality, and the rest of the world is drunk with passionate immorality. Now, what's Babylon here? Babylon represents the city, the system, and the regime of the final times. I personally believe that Babylon here represents the Antichrist system that he has in place. It's likely both a physical place and a spiritual condition of rebellion against God. Babylon first appears in the Bible in Genesis 11. You remember the Tower of Babel? 
where we find Nimrod leading the charge and building the Tower of Babel. The Hebrew name for Babel is Babylon. It's simple to remember. They babble on. <laughs> right? Because nobody understood each other. So it's, blah, 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 blah. it's gibberish. Babylon. Good way to remember it. God thwarted the effort and confused the people's languages. Why'd God do that? Because the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11 represented pride and rebellion against the clear command of God. God had told Noah and his sons, be fruitful and multiply and fill the what? In other words, go everywhere. Go in every direction and fill the earth. I want the whole earth populated. That was the command of God. He had wanted Noah's descendants to repopulate the entire planet. But by centralizing the population... In, at one tower, in one place, they were in direct rebellion to the command of God. And God said, no way. If you won't obey me, I'm going to scatter you and you can't understand each other. But either way, my will is going to be done. So all of a sudden, nobody could understand. Pastor Jeff will be back in a moment. But first, I want to share a couple of thoughts with you. Now, you may not be able to stay with us for the entire program. But don't worry. You can find the program at our website, hardwired.org, along with all of the programs from Pastor Jeff. Also, we regularly get emails and calls from listeners just like you who tell us how much the program means to them. But we would love to hear from you too. So let me encourage you to connect with us by calling 877-884-3111 or through the website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. Or call 877 884 3111. And now let's get back to Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. Hand me the hammer and then hand me those. And they could no longer build. What'd you say? What'd you say? And everybody started looking for somebody that could understand their language. And by force, they were scattered because they wouldn't do it voluntarily. <laughs> Little message there. When God tells you to do something, do it before he has to make you do it. I'd rather just do it instead of going to the woodshed. Amen? Now, as for the place, ancient Babylon was located where present-day southern Iraq now is. This is very important. Matter of fact, many Bible expositors and commentators believe that the Garden of Eden was originally located somewhere near Iraq, that landmass, that that's where the Garden of Eden used to be when God made it all. Would that not explain why Satan has so attacked it and sought to pervert it, Iraq, Iran? And it's been such a place of violence and bloodshed and confusion. Now, it could be that the Babylon that John sees is that revived land with its capital of Baghdad. We don't know for sure. I'm going to get into that a little bit more in the next couple of chapters. But it could be it's going to be a physical place, Baghdad, Iraq, is going to become central, a central world player again. It could be. We're going to look at it. So that's the second angel. Here comes the third angel. This angel's message is a dire warning. Once again, God sternly advises against refusing the mark of the beast. To receive it is to perish eternally. I want you to listen to verse 9. Then a third angel followed them. So these angels are going out in a, a line. First angel, second angel, third angel, they're following along behind each other. And this one is warning. Then a third angel followed the first two, shouting. 
Anyone who worships the beast and his statue or who accepts his mark on the forehead or on the hand must drink the wine of God's anger. It's been poured forth full strength into God's cup of wrath. And they will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur. Now, this is not Jeff. I'm not making this up. I'm reading the book of Revelation. I know this is hard. It's hard for me. But this is what it says. It wants to hear it, really hear it. This is why we preach the gospel. They will be tormented with fire and burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels and the Lamb, capital L. The smoke of their torment will rise, listen, forever and ever. Greek, it reads this way in the original Greek. Ionis, Ionon. Ionis, Ionon. It means ages of ages, ever and forever, an unbroken age, eternity. When the Greeks wanted to express eternity, they said, Ionis, Ionon, ages upon ages without end. I only wanted to accentuate that, bring that out, because we're in a day of incredible deception. It's everywhere. Social media is a crazy house. So much false stuff is on that. Listen, be careful where you go on social media. There's false prophets, false teachers, false Christs. It's infested. But I bring this out because there's a teaching out there. What happens when somebody lost dies? Do they really go to an eternal hell? There's a lot of people out there. Some of them are called universalists. Universalists teach that no one will perish forever, that the blood of Christ covered everybody, and that includes Hitler, Stalin, Mussolini, everybody. They'll say there's no such thing as eternal hell. Then there are those who say, yeah, you'll go to a place of torment, but you don't stay forever. You eventually get out. That's called purgatory, taught by the Catholics. You pay your way out, or you wait your way out, or some of your loved ones still on earth can pay your way out with indulgences. There's all kinds of teaching out there to take away the stern warning of God that to reject Christ is to step into a Christless Ionis Ionon. So we want to be sure we stay faithful to the word here. This is what it says. I didn't say it. It, says, it goes on to say, they will have no relief day or night for they have worshiped the beast and his statue and they accepted the mark of his name. May we preach the gospel with all of our heart and get out there and reach as many as possible because there's only one escape route and that's the blood of Christ. That's the only escape route and it's a beautiful escape route. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly of heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come unto me while the coming is good. Amen. Amen. The Holy Spirit thankfully delivers a word of encouragement to those who will belong to the Lord in the great tribulation. Verse 12, this means that God's holy people must endure persecution patiently. Now I'm reading John. This means when you're in tribulation, you must bear it patiently. 
persecution, bear it patiently. Obeying his commands and maintaining your faith in Jesus. Verse 13, I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this down. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. Can we just lift our hands and say, Lord, when I go, may I go in you. Amen. Blessed are those who die in the Lord. From now on, yes, says the Spirit, they are blessed indeed, for they will rest from their hard work. We were going to rest one day, everybody, for their good deeds follow them. No, good works don't save you, but they testify to the fact that you have been saved. And if you are involved in good works, they're going to follow you into heaven where there's going to be rewards given. Amen and amen and a double amen. Come on, everybody. Yes. Now next, John's about to witness a great reaping of souls, both to eternal life and to eternal damnation. You know where we're going now? Second chances are running out. Watch this. The last three angels and the seven bowls. In the closing verses of chapter 14, the Son of Man, the Lord Jesus Christ, is seen seated on a cloud. Then I saw a white cloud, and seated on the cloud was someone like the Son of Man, he had a gold crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Now, this symbolism matters. We need to pay attention to it. So he's got a gold crown on his head. That speaks of authority. And he's got a sickle in his hand. We already know who it is. It's Christ. All right? So what does the sickle represent? It represents not a good harvest, but one of judgment. Jesus is about to judge. What is about to take place with the appearance of the fourth angel is the answer of the prayers of the martyred saints who have asked for vengeance on their persecutors. Now, those that persecuted the saints of God, killed them, murdered them, are about to be judged. It's like I preach Sunday. One thing that will measure the fate of a nation is how it treats the godly. I'm telling you. Jesus said, inasmuch you've done it to the least of one of these, my brethren, you did it to me. For bad or for good. Now those that killed God's people are about to get it. And I hate it. I don't want to see anybody go through this, but let's read it. Then another angel came from the temple and shouted to the one sitting on the cloud, Jesus, swing the sickle. For the time of harvest has come. The crop on earth is ripe. So the one sitting on the cloud, Jesus, swung the sickle over the earth, and the entire earth was harvested. Now, this is the fulfillment of Matthew 13, verse 40, where Jesus said, let me quote Jesus. Are you ready? Listen, here he goes. Just as the weeds are sorted out and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the world. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will remove from his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. Verse 42, Matthew 13. And the angels will throw them into the fiery furnace. Where will they go? A fiery furnace. Where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Oof. Then the righteous, conversely, will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Anyone with ears to hear better listen and understand. He's telling us, you only go one of two places. You don't come back as anything. 
There's no reincarnation. You have one shot in this life. And you're going to go to one of two places. There are only two roads, wide road, narrow road, two ways, the Savior or the devil. And when Jesus swings that sickle, he's going to reap the harvest of both. It's judgment time or it's enter into the joy of your Lord time. But those are the only two. It's Messiah doing the reaping. He's the one sitting on the cloud. He's no longer the little lamb of God that allowed people to abuse him. Oh, no, no. He's the lion of Judah now. He's the judge of the earth. We appreciate you listening today to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Every program we do has one main thing in mind, and that's to share the hope and good news of Jesus Christ to people who need to hear this message and hardwire the teaching into their daily life. That's what this ministry is all about. So if you've been encouraged by the message, we would love to hear about it. Pick up your phone and give us a call at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. Or go online to our website at hardwired.org. And be sure to bookmark the web address to your favorites folder so you can come back often. Also, would you consider getting on board with us as a faithful ministry partner? Your valuable contribution makes a big difference to us in helping to get the message of the gospel out through this program to people everywhere. Your generosity along with this ministry is reaching people in a way that you may never have the ability to do on your own. So jump on board as a hardwired partner by calling us at 877-884-3111 or go online to hardwired.org, 877-884-3111. 3111 or hardwired.org. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you so very, very much. Have a great rest of the day, and thanks for listening to Hardwired.